Okay. I'm going to go live. Do we decide if we're talking about automation? We'll decide in the moment. Okay. I'll let, I'll let you take the lead on this. All right. And we're back with another episode of Future Chat. I'm not even going to say the numbers anymore. I feel like we're beyond that. We've made it past 100 and who cares anymore? <laughs> there, There's a little bit of uh, interesting stuff going on this week, but I think first of all, and this is completely off the cuff because we just decided we were going to talk about it. Um, Mike, you want to talk a bit about automation because of some of the things we've been discussing internally this week with regards to the show. I think that kind of brought things up that had been percolating since Google IO. Um, why don't you, why don't you introduce this topic you wanted to, to follow up on? Yeah, we actually didn't really get to this the first time around. I don't even know why we didn't even touch on it, but Google had announced a, uh, smart home device, I guess you could call it. It's an Amazon Echo analog, uh, <laughs> called yeah. the Google Home. And uh, according to recent reports, it's, quote unquote, a Chromecast inside a speaker. With which, voice powers, like with, with Google Assistant. Yeah. I, I don't even know what that thing is supposed to mean because a Chromecast in itself is fairly rudimentary to begin right. with. So I don't I don't know what else you'd expect a Google Home device to be. But yeah. um, it, it essentially operates the same way as the Echo does where you can kind of say things into thin air and stuff happens. Uh, right. as long as this thing is plugged in and listening and, and linked to specific accounts and whatnot. Um, but I'm more interested in talking not about the specifics of the device itself, but how people want to use it and will be able to use it. Right. Um, and that kind of ties into a uh, just a general theme of automation and smart stuff technology. Uh, you know, IFTTT ties into a lot of different things now with people's smart homes um and just technology in general i think i think all of us at least two-thirds of us can say that we use ifttt <laughs> regularly yeah and uh even in this past week that we've been using it i've I found it leaves a lot to be desired um, well it i don't know if it leaves a lot to be desired because the service itself what it does is really good i just think it's very like programmatically it's very limited like it does in programming there are a lot of things you can do like basic caveats or basic not caveats basic kind of things that programming does like there's if statements which is what if uh, ifttt is really good at but they're very basic if statements and there there are loops and there are there are all kinds of conditions that you can you can test and i think the limitation of ifttt is really that it is it's very basic and limited to if one thing happens do this other thing, but there's no looping. There's no other kind of thing. Yeah. It's one trigger, one response. Yeah. And well, what I found I had to do in this, this past week is I had to kind of basically string together two yeah. IFTTT recipes. So one gets triggered by another's thing being triggered. Yeah. Um, and just like, and that, and it was a very simple thing I was trying to do, but because you're relying on specific you know, what they're called ingredients of each yeah. either trigger or response to be available that's made available by the developers of that software or product. You're very tied in or restricted to what you can use. And so, um, just as the example, you know, I was trying to set up a, uh, a thing where I could put in what I want to post to a spreadsheet, like a Google Sheets, but there was no way to do it directly from one if and then statement. So I had to, trigger one and then have it go from that response to the spreadsheet. So yeah. I have to make two recipes for that. Yeah. And I think, you know, ATP said it best as it relates to 
when they're talking about Siri, and again, another smart technology where they said, you know, no one should have to be a Siri power user in order to use right. it. Yeah. And, and that's, and I feel the same thing applies to both IFTTT and a lot of other things that they have a lot of promise and a lot of functionality, but in order to get the best use out of them and the most functionality, you need to know what you're doing and it shouldn't have to be that way. Yeah. And I got to say like Python, Python has the same issue. Do you know how much I had to learn in order to make a simple program in Python? I just want to be able to talk to Python a natural language and have it do exactly what I want. Is that I, so unreasonable? I, I can't. I can't tell if you're being facetious. Or I, not. I am being. There is heavy use tell? of sarcasm here. <laughs> well, at first I thought he was being serious, and then it, it kind of went off the rails there. What he's asking for is very unreasonable. <laughs> but and I don't think it's the same thing with a consumer product. Yeah. I know what you're saying, Nick, because that's a basic programming language. This you should no, not, no. If, basic if, is a different language. <laughs> <laughs> Nick of the quick today. and visual ver- varieties. Yeah. <laughs> okay so anyway <laughs> rob oh man do you do you agree with what i'm saying yeah i i mean for instance i'll, I'll give you a, a what if this is something that was happening to that happened to me yesterday while i was in the shower i had one of those this is a combination of automation slash shower thought moments so i have a bluetooth speaker in my shower to control music and or podcast or whatever i'm listening to and i was thinking to myself I have, I had like eight minutes or something left on a podcast and then I wanted to listen to another podcast. And I, so I thought, how can I set this up automation wise? And again, the, I was in the shower already. So I was like, I want to listen to this and then this, but there's no way to ask for that with any kind of voice assistant right now. You'd have to be on the device itself to say, and, and like Apple, uh, or the podcast app, do like Apple's music player do have the functionality to set up like a playlist so you could put something and then put something in after like a it. queue or yeah. Playlist, yeah but there's no there's no way to do that with your voice and so I I'm imagining when you get to a truly powerful voice assistant you'd be able to say play sorry by Justin Bieber then hotline bling and it would just yeah. be able to know that you meant like you'd be able to parse that entire thing go okay he wants a playlist I'll put this and then this but so I had to I had to just listen to something totally different because after that eight minutes was up, I was just going to have silence. Yeah. And that kind of defeats the whole purpose of having like music or whatever yeah. going on in the shower while you're trying to listen. Yeah. The the exact same thing happens when I'm driving and I'm listening to podcasts and oh, and I've gotten into the habit now of knowing if I'm getting close to the end of a podcast and just adding one into the queue. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, like you said, you'll, it'll just end and I'm driving. So I'm not going to fiddle around with the app to load up another, another episode. But mm-hmm. I'd like to be able to say, you know, play the latest episode of Hello Internet. And yeah. it should know what that means. Yeah. In theory, like they're all time stamped. They're all, so it's like, and they know Hello Internet. They can parse that and kind of match it to a, and they can say, Oh, do you mean this? And you can, if you need to, you can say, Yeah, you know, that's, that's the one I want. And then it yeah. blows it up and plays. But right now, like you said, you have to set up the queue beforehand. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just kind of left with nothing. Yeah. And See, it, I thought the, I thought the shower thing was going to be, you know, <laughs> if you hear screams, you should adjust the temperature of the water. <laughs> See, that would be great. That, that, like, would, that would be, be really be, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the, if the other, th- if you start screaming, just adjust to 37 Celsius and wait yes. for further input. <laughs> wait until you're okay. Thank you. Um, the last thing that I, I would, would say on automation, or the last thing, the last main thing that I have to say kind of anecdotally 
is that I, there are a bunch of things like I have a grocery list in reminders that Siri is able to control. And I really like having that, but there are a bunch of entries where it says, uh, corn and potatoes, for instance, or right. lettuce and broccoli, because Siri isn't able to, like, if I say add carrots, beans, peas, and candy to my grocery list, it will add that string as one entry, not adding multiple entries. And that's a really hard voice problem to solve because there are instances, probably not in a checkbox reminder list kind of situation, but there are instances where you would want that to be parsed as one item. But for for this case, I wanted it to be four items, but you have to go in and say, add peas to my groceries list and wait till it's done. Add beans to my groceries list. And it, like that is tedious already. Like I'm already bored of that. And, <laughs> and what so- of the Oxford comma? Exactly. I mean, in in this case, you probably wouldn't need it because you're you're wanting four different entries. But yeah, it's it's a hard problem to solve. Like I appreciate, and and I think the last ATP they talked about this, which I I feel like we need to say is that obviously this is a very hard problem to solve. But they are the most like computer engineers at Google and Apple and Microsoft and uh, at Amazon as well. They're the most talented voice recognition engineers in the world other than maybe there are people like at that hound uh voice assistant that was announced uh last year where they had the guy he gave like it was like the founder or something he gave a string of like 45 seconds worth of commands uh, asking like geographical information population information all the stuff like he just rattled off 30 seconds of a pre-record like a pre-prepared script of information to get and the thing just spent like the next minute and a half listing off all of these things one after the other that he'd asked for, like that kind of thing. And the the found the people who made Siri <clears throat> over at Nuance have since left Apple and started another voice thing called Viv, uh, which is again kind of that same idea, more powerful and able to string things together. But I appreciate this is a hard problem, but within the constraints of what a company like Google or Apple has to has to work with i appreciate that you can't just go all in you have to have a lot of infrastructure set up on the back end and and it's that part that's not there yet the voice parsing is actually pretty good it's the software that powers it that that actually does things in the physical world or does things in the digital world that become physical that is where the broken link is so far yeah well, then, then there's the other aspect of we don't necessarily want everything to be relying on voice, right? You don't want everything, yeah. You, like, I would love to be able to do everything with voice, but I wouldn't want to rely on it. But a lot of people don't want voice, but they still want the functionality of right. the automation. Yeah. So yeah. right. So you should be able to have either like text input or you know buttons that are can be pre-assigned to certain things or yes. or whatnot, right? Like you, and that's the thing. I I don't know. I I must trust that it will happen at some point. Yeah. I just like it to be sooner than later. Yeah. Cool. Did that uh that cover automation? Because we're still in follow up here. Yeah, I I, I think wanna... that's I think that's a yeah. good start. I just wanted to kind of get that okay. out there. Uh in in the follow up that I had here, we had talked in the past about lots about SpaceX and no, they did not launch a rocket uh this week, although apparently they have like sixteen more. Like they have like two per month until the end of the year. Um we had discussed in past episodes about how their their hangar of landed rockets is getting pretty full. It can store five. They've now got four. Um, and that we had talked a little bit about how there's, uh, Mike, you had mentioned an engineering term, something to do with the amount of time it would take before something fails. MTBF. Mean time mean, before failure between or something? Fa- between failure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had talked about that term. 
And apparently SpaceX is well aware of this. Surprise, surprise. But they've been talking <laughs> with um, like there's actually obviously insurance involved with space flight when one company is contracting out another company to bring their very expensive equipment into space that's that's an expensive thing and it's a dangerous thing it's a risky thing um and the risk of reusing rockets is really that we don't know what that that repeatability uh factor is but apparently spacex already has very high levels of uh, the, the insurance underwriters have very high levels of confidence in spacex being able to do this like they've seen it several times now that really adds to the confidence and they're already it's already a lot cheaper to launch a satellite or some thing to space with spacex whereas other companies uh aren't necessarily at the same point yet and we're basically at the point there's a, there's a company that they mentioned in this uh, la times article that is excited to be the first like there's a lot of glamour in being the first company to kind of trust spacex with launching a reused rocket for the first time and i don't think they're going to put anything really expensive or really unique on that rocket the first one that they relaunch but it's an important thing to get somebody excited and the fact that they've been so successful means that people are actually doing that and the 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 key thing that i want to say here we can we don't have to talk about this for a really long time is that in the last two years, the insurance rate for Falcon 9 has dropped 50%, which I thought was really interesting. Just that it's already like it's been they've been doing it so consistently. They had the couple failures uh, last year. And but they, since then, they've been doing really, really a good job of getting that first launch up. And now it's just basically going to be convincing them that the reusability of the, the rockets is is actually a viable thing. I'm very excited. I know you guys aren't, but I'm very excited. No, I'm, I'm excited to see this get to a point where it can become just an everyday thing. Like once you get, you know, it's similar to, you know, ride sharing where yeah. once, once the insurance and the policy gets on board with it, then it's just ubiquitous. So hopefully this gets to the same point where it's just, yeah, you know, space travel and reusing rockets, that's just pretty run of the mill. I don't know if you guys are aware of, uh, on a related note on the reusability of these things, um, that most of the Tesla kind of where the traditional engine and trunk would be, there these massive crumple zones that protect passengers in the in the event of an accident. Apparently, the the Falcon rockets have a similar thing for landing, and they were saying that the uh, one of the the these crumple zones on the SpaceX lander, like where the legs actually connect to the to the rocket. One of them got pretty much as distorted as it could be because, again, if you'll recall, the the last two um, have been that have been coming from geostationary transfer orbit, like the high ones where they end up coming in really fast. Um, it basically that one leg sustained the maximum amount of damage, like the crumple zone took the maximum amount of impact that it really could before they would expect it to fail. And I just thought that was like okay, so they're thinking about this. And even if you can't reuse 100%, like the rocket, you can't just like land it back down and fire it up again. Obviously, right. there's there's like three seconds of fuel left or something yeah. uh, when they finish. But even if you just have to kind of swap out the the airbags of of a rocket or the like the crumple areas, that's still a massive savings versus just having the entire rocket be wasted yeah. or having it explode or crash into the ocean somewhere. So I think even with like they, the fact they're taking that in consideration and and adding think parts that can be easily swapped out when they do get damaged, but not actually destroy the entire rocket. I think that's a really important step. And I'm glad to hear that they're, they're thinking of that and that it actually is working the way it's expected to. Yeah. 
it's actually pretty interesting when you get into to engineering and design of stuff like yeah like you said in theory you'd be able to just fire it up back up right away but that's not feasible yeah um aside from the fuel aspect like you you need to expect some sort of damage so like not just with rockets and cars but even with just machinery and uh you know parts of systems and stuff there's like parts of it that are designed to wear down and get replaced regularly but like you said saving the main part which would be a lot more expensive to replace if you didn't have those other things like there's there's parts of uh of drilling tools that you you have just things on that designed to just take wear as they're used and then you gauge the use of them by how much is worn down and then you just replace that wear zone and then you're good to go again so yeah it's it's really cool how much thought goes into it and how practical it is. Like yep. it's just you're realistic about it and that's the whole point of engineering, really. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's what Elon Musk is up to this week. So Mike, what else do you have in follow up? Uh we have the CRTC following the lead of the US communications division that I can't seem to recall off the top of my head. Um <laughs> But in the same way that they were looking at the T-Mobile binge on plans and saying, hmm, what do we need to consider with this and how fair is it and whatnot? It wasn't a, it wasn't a formal review or anything. It was just, they were looking at it a bit closer. Is the, we the uh, FCC? Yes. That sounds right. I was going to say FTC, but that's yeah. the free trade, but yeah, FCC sounds right. Yeah. Uh, so the CRTC, the Canadian analog is looking at a similar program that companies have here where it has zero rating services Mm -hmm. Uh, so they'll either offer their own uh, software or or programming or whatever at zero cost or zero data cost anyway to consumers or they'll offer third-party services at zero data cost such as like netflix or uh, spotify or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, so these companies will have their data caps and they'll say if you use these apps they won't count towards your your data allowance and currently there are no laws that restrict that or yeah. to my knowledge even really regulated. It's just kind of a fairly free market right now. Mm. And the CRTC is looking at it a bit closer to say, okay, is there anything we need to consider to keep this fair and non uh monopolizing or non prohibitive yeah. to other other services? So I have you guys used zero rating or taken advantage of zero rating offers from from either ISPs or, or mobile carriers? Um, I can start because I have a couple of things that I could share experiences that I've had. So the first one, I, when we were on Rogers plan before, um, I used NHL game center that came with that quite a bit. And that was really nice. Like it's $150 if you buy it separately. Uh, but with the, with the, like $150 for the season, but if you just have a subscription to their package, you're obviously paying way more than $150 to them. So they throw it in as an added bonus. Um, so that's nice. I don't know exactly how much, if you have like a fairly substantial cable package or even one of the basic ones, how many games would that would actually cover anyway? So it doesn't really matter. Like I've, I've found the bell app, uh, that we have now covers a lot of those games anyways. Um, the other thing that I, that I just wanted to say is going even further, like, yes, you can say, I know a lot, I haven't seen a plan in Canada that does it really, but plans in the States for a while have said, Oh, you know, unlimited media streaming, you can stream video or music as, as much as you want. And they include something like 25 services. 
there are plans now, um, the, the kind of share plans or the, the big data plans from Rogers and Fido that not only have unlimited Spotify included, but they actually include a Spotify subscription. So you get us of like the $10 a month subscription to Spotify as part of your plan. And it's just bundled in. I, I, I don't love that because first of all, I don't use Spotify. So if I like, that would be a disincentive for me to sign up for one of those plans because it has to come with Spotify. And so I'm paying more for something that I'm already paying for elsewhere. There's no incentive for me to sign up for a share plan. And yeah, the whole thing does strike me as kind of odd. I don't know if they said, well, like if if they partnered with Google Play Music, with Apple Music, with Spotify, with a number of different companies, and they said, you can get a subscription to any of these included in your bundle. I think I might have an easier time being okay with that but having locked down to one that you have to pay for that you have to get with your subscription there's no there's no avoiding that the extra cost that that does incur i don't it's it's weird to me it just strikes me as not great policy yeah i think that is a little bit different than what they're reviewing though i i know yeah, what oh, you're yeah, saying it is, but it is. it's yeah. even worse like it's the next level up it's like actually including it bundling a subscription in right as opposed to just saying you can use whatever service you want unlimited I can't imagine them forcing you to make a Spotify account if you get the No, they service. wouldn't force you to make an account, but like you're paying for the account whether you use it or not. Paying for it in the bundle. sense of it being included. Right. Like, well, the same thing with unlimited long distance minutes or having unlimited minutes. Like, I don't care about right. that. I'm not going to use those minutes. Right. I, use, I stay under 150 that I have in my plan and I have for the last right. four years. Yeah. Like, I guess it's not explicit, but you're assuming that in some way you're paying for that is what you're, is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Nick, Nick, have you had any experience with that? Nope. No. No. Would you would you use would you see that as an incentive to go with a certain carrier if they offered say free well, podcast no, streaming? Because podcast streaming well, as, as an I example for that. what you use. I want it. Like <laughs> you know what podcast. I mean though, right? Well yeah, no, but like I'm not gonna go with Rogers just because they offer Game Center Live because yeah. The assumption, as Rob said, is that I could just buy Game Center Live and not be tied to crappy Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Could stay well, with it's true. tech savvy and watch whatever the hell I want, whenever the hell I want. Right. Exactly. Well, and yeah, then assuming they, it's in their package, but like yeah. it, the it's, CBC or TSN or whatever package. What, yeah. Whatever. But like, I, it's also yeah. it's interesting because I am extremely tempted by. I think the package is called uh, AFL Live. Right. So I could watch my beloved West Coast Eagles <laughs> do the of thing, course. play the sports, yeah. score the points. Yay. So all else being equal, though. So aside from quality of service and, you know, price, we'll even say if you could pay one cost for one service and another cost for another that offered another type of service as included in the plan would that be an incentive for you to go over? I feel like the question is <laughs> ridiculous. So like if everything was equal, everything tech savvy didn't exist because the telecoms had finally killed it off. <laughs> yeah. So I was choosing between like Shaw, Bell, Rogers and Talus or something like that. Yeah. And they were all exactly the same price because, you know, non-official collusion is a thing <laughs> and one of them was offering game center live and the other was offering i don't know 
uh, free access to ponies live. Yeah. Yes, I would probably go with the Game Center Live where everything else equal. Because I think that's I think that's the corporation's worry is that have allowing this type of thing will motivate customers to go with one over the other without considering the added value from other aspects. Like because the easiest thing to quantify is oh this includes this. This other one doesn't include this, so I'm going to go with this, even though you might be getting a far crappier service, but you don't yeah. know that yet because you haven't used them and you yeah. might not be doing research and, and asking for, you know, recommendations on internet service or whatever, because well, caveat, is it emptor or emptor? Emptor, caveat emptor. The principle that the buyer alone is responsible for checking the quality and sustain suitability of goods before a purchase is made. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, the uh, the other thing that I find weird, like Fido and Rogers seem like, maybe it's just because I know them the best, but it really seem like they're pushing, they bundle so many different things in. Like Fido has now also bundles a subscription to Vice in with their plans. Really? <laughs> um, they have, like Rogers bundles in, I think, Next Media or Post Media, not Post Media, some, some like uh, magazine subscription service oh wait which one rogers Next? yeah rogers i don't oh, know service it is is it ctv globe ctv globe media no it's is it's that... like a it's specifically magazine yeah. subscription no no but I've ctv globe media has a lot of magazines that's why i'm that's, asking it i don't unless they unless there's a, a name for that kind of thing uh like unless that that bundle has a name already I'm not sure it's the same thing that, that you're talking about. I'll, I'll find it. It is Texture, 150 of the world's best magazines for 24 months. Yeah. So do, do we agree that people look at price mostly? Like the, the, and anything extra is just bonus? Like no one's going to choose one over the other based on a subscription to Texture. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, except for like the texture, handful but... of Texture readers. I was going to say, I know people who would potentially make the decision on Game Center Live because of how much they would use it. Sure. Yeah. These, they're not, they're not so much value added. I, at least in my opinion, that these, these plans and I'll using Rogers as an example, because to me, they're the group that ties in the most. If you go in and look at the Rogers phone plans, which I'm doing right now, and I would encourage you to go and look if you haven't in a while. Um, they're not so much adding these things in to get customers they're trying to lock customers in once they get accustomed to these things being in their plan like it, this is a long game in that two years down the road they don't want to switch away from their plan when their contract's up because they love rogers game center live or because they love texture like so with with a roger share plan which i think is really expensive i think roger share plans they're not like they're not as expensive necessarily as they used to be but like for a one gigabyte plan with 300 minutes, it's $65 a month. That's a lot more than it used to be for no tab. Uh, if you if you ha want like a, the tab where you end up with uh, a more expensive phone on a discount, it's 80 bucks a month for that same thing. Oh, wow. But they give you Rogers Game Center Live with a share plan. They give you, you have a choice of Spotify, Texture, or Show Me. And so basically if you want music or video or... Um, I guess magazines, 150 magazine subscriptions, but they also give you, 
and this is the weirdest part to me. They give you like Rome like home, which is a Roger service lets you for $5 a day go to the US or to, and I think there's 175 countries now. It'll let you roam using data from your data plan for only $5 a day, which I think it caps out at like 14 days out of the month. Like if you're gone an entire month, you'll only, you won't pay every day. You'll pay up to a maximum cap. But the, the idea of that, where if I don't have a share plan, they will not let me pay to use data internationally. They won't let me pay $5 a day to use my plan's data because I'm not on a share plan. That seems so strange to me. Why wouldn't they want me to pay them more money to use a service mm-hmm. just because I'm not, I'm not on the more expensive plan? Because weird, they would but, make so much more money off of you if you were on that plan. Well, it, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. It's not, it's not a value add for people who are not on the service as an incentive to get them on the service. It's a way for once they are with the service to not want to leave because they have all these value adds. Right now, it just comes across as really expensive. Where if I wanted a Rogers share plan where I actually had enough data to cover my desired use levels, it would cost me like $250 a month. And it, it's just for most people, I think, unless they don't really know that there is different, unless they, they either Rogers is the only option where they are, or it's the only thing they ever look at, or they've been with Rogers for years and they just stick with whatever plan they have. It, it's not a great deal. It's just that it's for people that don't really know to look for better or other. Right. Like right now we're paying for both Netflix and show me. Mm-hmm. as well as our internet package. Right. So if Shaw came out and said, we're including Netflix and show me, well, I guess show me is already included in Shaw. Say we're including Netflix. Actually, I don't know if it's included or it's just discounted, but either way, say, say everything that we're currently paying for right now is already included with Shaw. And I just do the math and see if it makes sense for me to switch. Like, and I don't know if that's, if people do that or not. Like to me, that's what it would come down to either way. Whether right. regardless of what it came with, if it came with texture, I'd like, well, I don't use that, so I don't care. And I, right. it's not like, oh, I'll get it because I'll start using it. Even with Game Center, it's like, if I'm not already paying to watch hockey, I probably wouldn't go with a plan that includes Game Center because I probably wouldn't watch it anyway. Yeah. Right? So, I don't know. Maybe that's why, to me, this doesn't really seem like a big deal because it's not a huge motivator for me in choosing where I go. Right. As far as the zero, the zero rating aspect, mm-hmm. but I, I, I appreciate that the CRTC is trying to at least look at it closer and get right. consultation on it. And, and hopefully maybe they're hearing the same thing that it's really not having that much of an effect as far as ultimately where people are choosing to sign up is like you said, if, if they get accustomed to it, then that's fine, I guess. Like that's up to them. I guess. I, yeah. Cause I, I think the whole thing is limiting competition, right? And it shouldn't be, oh, well, customers want to stay where they are it's like that's the whole point of the free market is to encourage your customers to stay if you're unfairly drawing customers to you slash away from others then that's a different thing yeah that's fair so i don't know how much time we're going to have to cover there there's a bunch of stuff we wanted to talk about this week i think there are a couple of really kind of overarching things here um mike i i really do want to talk not necessarily about this uh this thing that elon musk said again in an interview uh as much as i know but i already said the thing (laughs) so i i want to talk about what he said and get into like so elon musk was interviewed by uh, i guess the verge and yeah he 
he went way and i think this might be taken slightly out of context from the actual interview if you go as to where they were going but elon musk thinks that there's a good chance that the our universe is a simulation running inside of some higher intelligence's computer and the reason that he thinks this is very likely is that we are very quickly growing computer systems to the point that even something like 50 years ago it would have been unthinkable to be able to have the kind of podcast we're doing right now like it would be absolutely it wouldn't even be unthinkable it would be like how would it's like how would that even work we there's just no there's no like we can have a telegraph conversation is that what you mean like there's just no way to really even conceive of modern life and so the thinking is that in 50 more years or in whatever number of more years our computers will be able to have the entire our entire universe programmed into them easily like it, it won't even be a question it would be like of course we have like billions of simulations running obviously like why wouldn't we it's it's the sims on steroids like multiplied to a billion times so I don't, what did what did you guys think about this when once you started like i i thought about this for six hours once i heard it, i was like oh my god it's simulations all the way down <laughs> i will i will say that um i feel as though many people have suggested that we're living in a simulation before elon musk and oh, yeah, it's only yeah, yeah. now that elon musk has said it that we're actually talking about it i yeah and i no, also I think about it i also think that um this episode would probably lose something if it were transmitted entirely by morse code <laughs> it would rob are you there rob <laughs> what do you think of the latest Elon Musk stuff this week? It would take a lot longer. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly, Rob. What about you, Mike? <laughs> would just take forever. Yeah. So what what do you think, Nick? Like that's the thing. I I didn't want to necessarily go over. Like I didn't even listen to the thing. I just it got me thinking about simulations, and I want to talk about. What maybe what the implications would be? What you think about it? Oh, I actually, I haven't looked into it that much, but like I, that's part of physics that kind of I just lose interest in because it is so far removed from my daily concerns and experiences. <laughs> right. That's like mm-hmm. I also think it has a lot to do with agnosticism in general because it's like, well, maybe it is, but could also be ruled by a giant reptile, and it's pointless to talk about. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, the same way that you had your, your shower thoughts moment. This is kind of like a weed thoughts moment. <laughs> it's like, it's like, the, it's basically philosophy at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of half who cares and half will never know anyway. So who cares? Like it's, it's interesting to think about. And I, I guess you can make it work with, with that kind of reasoning, how, you know, we've advanced so quickly and we already have our own simulations and models that fairly accurately represent what we already know. So, and you could say it's not coincidence that the way we found the universe to behave is very closely modeled by math and, you know, laws and whatnot that they could be pre-programmed in, but then you're basically looking at the intelligent design argument and that's kind of where it's almost going. But instead of an intelligent designer, you're talking about a computer that's running things. So, yeah, I, I, it's interesting, but I, I wouldn't focus on it for too long. Well, so my my thought is, being a scientist, 
this academic this this discussion is entirely philosophy unless there's a way that we can test that like or predict things about the universe based on whether it was a simulation or not and i think that as far as we know that's not the case yet we don't have any way to test whether whether our universe is just kind of a computer program running on some <gasps> massive hard drive maybe trump is like a bug and it's just <laughs> I think you know it's how just bugs bringing work. the whole software down <laughs> that is a very u.s centric way of thinking about things. <laughs> the, the, as opposed the to issue, your elon musk centric way of thinking i don't have an elon musk centric. i don't i don't even know that i necessarily agree with them i i don't actually think we're living in a simulation and i i think the odds are actually very low that we're living in a simulation be simply because our like all the computing power that we have at the moment which is a staggering amount considering what what it was just 10 years ago all considering all of that we're basically like our most powerful supercomputers are only able to model like it takes like an hour to model a few nanoseconds of human brain activity and while that feat is impressive in itself considering again where we where we have been in the very recent past it's a far cry to think that all every all of the trillions of trillions of trillions of atoms that are in the universe and all the space that is taken up like minecraft is a massive world but if you actually look at how much space it is it's not that big compared to like it's tiny compared to our universe and i just think that to get to a simulation that is that large and that intricate where I so one of the things that I like I don't think that we're in a simulation that's my own personal thought but I also think that there is basically intelligent life similar to or more advanced than us spread throughout the universe in billions on billions of planets like I I just think there's the universe is teeming with life and we haven't seen it yet because it's so big and there there's the whole thing that um I don't know if you guys are too familiar but the fact that we don't really know about dark energy but it's stretching our universe really quickly like the spaces between galaxies are getting further and further to the point that at some point in our history we won't be able to see any other galaxies we'll be able to see our galaxy <clears throat> we'll be able to see the andromeda galaxy because they're eventually going to collide but that's going to be it that's going to be our conception of what the universe is everything else out there is going to be empty space so it's conceivable that in the last 14 billion years we were a lot closer together and we could have seen communications going on but Everything is just so spread out now that we only see a tiny portion of our universe and that everything else is just unobservable at the moment. And so the the idea of being able to simulate on really an infinite universe from our perspective, because there, we know that there's stuff that we can't see further out. So what's to stop it from being infinite? It, it just seems like you can't. How, how do you simulate a near infinity situation you need so much computing power you need so much so many resources to keep all the positions and every every byte of information about the entire universe in a computer or in some kind of system where where you can store information rob i'm going to explain all of that away by saying it's all relative and our perception of infiniteness and complexity is relative to what we know so you, yeah. you can't so for all we know, that could be nothing relative to what the almighty reptile it, is simulating. That's, that's a fair point. 
And that's why this is philosophy because there's no, no exactly. testable principles. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I know what you're saying, but in the context of talking about whether we're in a simulation, there's, there's no grounds for, there's no reasoning that, that supports because we're pre, we're theoretically pre-programmed with the conception of space and time. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I would like to say that, um, if, the flying spaghetti monster is running a simulation and that's why we're here. Uh, if he runs our simulation with any similarity to how I run boxcar TV, <laughs> I think we're in very good hands. I'm sure that's true. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Th- this whole thing really kind of boggles my mind. I don't know if you guys have heard the argument not not the argument, but the idea that there could be a civilization out there that on both on scale and on kind of mental acuity complexity is like we th- like like we are to ants, and that like an ant by the side of a highway doesn't perceive yeah. cars driving by it. We may be not alone at all in the universe and there could be i mean not only just in three-dimensional space there could be something that's just so different and so much more complex than us than we could ever imagine like there are more ants than people on the earth they outnumber us like a million to one or something like it's crazy how many ants there are but their existence is so small compared to ours that they there's no even conceiving of it and it's it's very possible that even in just three dimensions that could be a thing that i think that's less likely but it's very possible that higher dimensions do exist that other beings, other, I guess you like the only thing you call it is life. Other life is able to perceive those higher dimensions. Whereas we're just absolutely not able yeah. to see it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's basically what I was getting at with yeah. what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. So simulation, and I don't think the so. Philosophy corner. <laughs> But uh, I, I, yeah, it doesn't really matter right now unless we have some way of testing. Yeah, until there's a falsifiable on. hypothesis. Yeah, it remains philosophy. And so this week on philosophy chat, <laughs> bye chat. <laughs> Next week we'll talk about string theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but the math works. <laughs> Nick, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about possibly the most important science and tech story of the week i'm so, shocked we didn't start with it yeah i agree and i feel terrible but in my defense i just saw it like as we started this conversation so um why don't you tell us why we should all be running and screaming for the hills to isolate ourselves from society well mike and i are uh, pretty far ahead in that we are close to some mountains which is yeah. <laughs> historically where one runs when yes. uh, civilization is going to collapse uh, the superest superbug has been bread. Yeah. So well, bread for, being a strange way to describe it, but yes, we have bread, well, but not advertently. No, but that's it. how breeding works sometimes. <laughs> anyway, sometimes you have happy little accidents <laughs> and sometimes they're terrifying accidents. Yes. So, uh, antibiotics for the last I don't know, since World War II, they've been just super. Since we discovered penicillin, they've been just, we've had a grand old time suppressing disease. But the thing is, each new antibiotic um, 
will wipe out. It's like the sterilization things with Lysol and stuff kills 99.9% of germs. Yep. But that 0.1% that remains is the kind that was resistant to the antibiotic treatment you used. Mm -hmm. And so as time has gone on, we've, you know, what we've kept wiping out 99.9%, 99.9%, 99.9%. And then each and every time someone out there goes on a regimen of antibiotics and doesn't finish, Mm -hmm. they can potentially leave behind that, you know, it might even be more than that 0.1%. It's a strain of bacteria that were going to be wiped out, but didn't quite get wiped out. So they developed a resistance to that antibiotic. And so what is it like since the discovery of penicillin, not a hundred years, but getting on there. Yeah. Finally, we have a superbug which has survived the antibiotic of last resort. Yep. And for a while we've, we've known that there are antibiotics that are resistant or drug bacteria that are resistant to antibiotics, like even strong antibiotics. MRSA is one of the things that um, MRSA is actually like it's methicillin resistant. That was a penicillin derivative that for a while was the de facto, like that was the thing that just you took uh, methicillin and and you didn't have that bacteria anymore. And Mm. then they developed, there was a staph aureus that developed resistance to methicillin. And then that took over, like that spread throughout hospitals really quickly. And now, we're coming to the point that we have these, we still had these kind of bastions of safety where you could, you could even have MRSA and you could still take this antibiotic or these, this set of antibiotics that would be able to stand up to it and just take it out. But it, it was almost inevitable that the current technology, I'll call it technology, the current kind of bacteria fighting technology we had can't constantly keep fighting with evolution. We're not designing, um, resistant antibiotics or antibiotics that are strong enough to defeat resistant bugs. We're not designing them by evolution. We're designing them by hand basically. And there, there are computers that are working on kind of coming up with tweaks to to things, but it's not, it's nowhere near the speed of bacterial replication and evolution. Well, and apparently antibiotic research was also huge in the seventies and eighties. This is according to one of our profs that I don't remember now. And we just kind of got a really good battery of antibiotics and went, eh, it's probably good enough. Yeah. And it was until last week. And you, we've been seeing these stories for a while where people are saying, uh, this is coming and they keep getting stronger. There's this, there's no end in sight. It was basically a matter of time, but now we're seeing that the time is right now. Yeah. It's like, there were so many warnings and they were warning about last week. Which is terrifying reality. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have experienced this recently or in the past couple of years where you go to a doctor and you like a walk-in clinic, say, or just a family doctor, not the hospital or anything, but say like you go to a family doctor and say, hey, you know, I've got this sore throat, got a cough, whatever. They take a saliva test or urine test or whatever and they test it and they say, oh, well, you know, we can't detect anything, but, you know, there's slightly, you know, higher white cell count, whatever. Yeah. Um, here's an antibiotic. And it's like, well, what, what is it for? And it's like, oh, just in case there's an infection. Mm-hmm. And really, this ha- yeah, who are this, these this, people? This happened to us when I took Emma to the walk-in clinic one time or the fa- the family clinic we use. And 
we thought you know she had a fever, she had a cough, and they tested her. They couldn't find anything. But like, oh, here's an anti- here's a prescription for an, or they said, would you like a prescription for an antibiotic? And I said, well, for what? Like, like there's nothing there. And it's like, oh, just in case. And I'm like, no, it's it's, it's okay. Like, we'll we'll hold tight. Like, yeah, but, if it gets much worse, we'll come back. Yeah, but it's it's the kind of thing where people are just so used to demanding antibiotics that doctors just offer them without like unsolicited yeah. without even okay, asking that's- for them. That's not the case in Ontario, in my experience. Like, you have to fight for antibiotics if you really want them. Like, a lot of, like, every doctor I've been to, yeah, when I've been sick, like, I think, I remember going when I had, like, this weird eye infection that, I don't know, there's, this is going to get graphic and gross, I'm sorry, (laughs) but there are two usual discharge colors, and I had, like, a third weird one. It's like, you know, if it's green or yellow, you know, it's this or this thing, and I had a gray discharge, and I was like, this is bizarre. I'm I'm going to the doctor. Mm. And so they looked at me. They're like, huh, I have no idea what that is. Um, and I don't want to give you antibiotics. Yeah. Right. All right. And so they're like, I, what I want you to do is just, you know, go get some eye drops and keep flushing it for a while. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work after X number of days, here's a prescription for antibiotics. Don't use it. But. You know, if you have to, after like a week, it's there if you need it. Right. Right. And so that was, yeah. When I had bizarre option C, they were like, okay, maybe we'll give you antibiotics. Yeah. But only if you really, like they caution, they're very clear, like only if you really need it. And they, they give you a, like they give you a lecture at the doctor's office and at the pharmacy that if you start taking this, you will take it to its completion because... You know, because Ontario is right next to Quebec where they've had C. difficile for how long now? Yeah. And so super superbugs are a a concern. Yeah. And I'm at the point where yeah. I was scared. When I got knee surgery, my knee got in like partially infected after about a month. Um when I Ooh. around the time I got the stitches out. And they gave me uh, an antibiotic and it ended up I think I went through the whole course and ended up not being strong enough. And so they gave me a, not, not a resistant one. Like it wasn't a resistant bacteria, just was, didn't cover whatever infection it was. And I remember being terrified. I was just like, no, I like, are you (laughs) sure this is long enough? Should I keep taking it? Like, should I get an extra dose to just make sure that I cover it? And it it ended up being okay. I think like I got over it and it was fine. You had your stitches for a month? I had my stitches for, at, I think it was around a month. It was a lot longer than I was supposed to. Oh, wow. But it was because I got surgery and then with the, like almost a, about a week later, I went home. And yeah, I in an ideal world, I wouldn't have had them in for that long. But okay. it just worked out that way. That, that Presumably, that I think that's why I still have the kind of large of, of scars that I do is that there were stitches in for so long. Do you, but, still, well, do you still have scarring? Yeah. Okay, because... Yeah. We're going to just go right off the rails. I still have Perfect. like a sizable lump. Okay. From some of my scarring. It's it's odd. Right. Like my surgery, I don't know about yours, but mine was laparoscopic, so there are like five tiny holes around my knee. There's no there's a big scar where they had to take a piece of my hamstring out to mm-hmm. replace the ACL, but for the most part it's just like little holes. There were a couple of stitches in each of them, but now I just have a bunch of scars dotting around my knee. 
No, I have like, I have one scar that's about three centimeters, like kind of like above my left butt cheek, basically. Okay. And that's where they open to drill into the bone and put the rod in. Oh, I'm so sorry, listeners. (laughs) (laughs) And then I have one about, I don't know, how big is this? Five, six centimeters. And that's where they put the screws in to hold the bone to the rod. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's where there's still a sizable lump. So did you get a hip replacement? No, no. It was an intermedullary rod. So the, all the bone is original and it's just like, there's a titanium rod that held it all together while it was, while the bone was healing. But because I'm so young relative to everyone else that breaks their (laughs) hip, um, if you, if you get a hip replacement, I think it's easier, but, um, you have to replace it every five to 10 years. Oh, wow. And so if you install that at 26, (laughs) that's, that's a lot of, it's a lot of replacements. Yeah. (laughs) So they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll go with the bone. It seems, seems reasonable. So you don't have any titanium, like a rod. No, I do. I, the thing is like, they put the rod in there so that the bone can heal. Yeah. But then it's literally inside the bone. Okay. So like, you, I mean, You're I don't need that. any of the metal that's in there anymore, but to take it out would be needlessly intrusive. Right. <laughs> yeah. That sounds cause like every uh, surgery carries oh risks. So yeah. Yeah. You just, it's not hurting anything. So you don't take it out. Right. Although there are a couple screws I could take out, but they haven't been an issue so far as I can tell. Yeah. Makes sense. That, uh, yes. Surgery is terrifying. Even, even just going under the anesthetic the first time they were like, yeah, there's, there's some risk to anesthetic. And I was like, okay, well go ahead. Yeah. Uh, not in your the, kind of state of health though. Yeah. It's still no, like, yeah. it's well, less risky for my state, but it's risky in general to have anesthetic. Like, like I know a risk, but it's, probably negligibly small for you no it's not there's there was a girl that were relate my family was related to like distant relative she went under anesthesia for like some orthodontic surgery for her jaw Mm -hmm. and she died on the table because (gasps) of it are you serious yeah when i i went under general for like my wisdom teeth and i was like yeah knock me out and I didn't like. Think I did exactly the same thing because yeah. I was like, I don't want to be awake for this. Yeah. But yeah. but there's no alternative. But yeah, it's not. It's not non-trivial. It's but not trivial. There was an alternative under. for me if I wanted it, but I was like, I don't yeah, want to be same awake here. For I it. could have been awake. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I, I mean, they did not give me the option. They just put me out. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was also in a lot of pain, so I'm kind of glad right. for it. Well, yeah, your yours has like my bones were fine. Yeah. So I didn't. I had my the option, crippling bonitis. Bone stuff. Bone stuff is really, really painful. Yeah, yeah. Bone stuff. <laughs> it's true, though. It like it really is. It's it's scary. Yeah. No. Um, but um, so it's it's funny because they're like you know totally low risk. Like it probably won't happen, but you could die. And yeah. it's like I'm not ready for this conversation to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, uh, we may have a small after show, but we'll, we'll wrap it up for this week. I'll say uh, thank you guys, everyone, for listening to that grotesque depiction of, of scarring and surgery. I'm at the sorry. Very end there. 
But uh, you can head to unwindmedia.com slash future chat to see uh, the notes for this show. Uh, I put a link to that that Hound demo, which if you haven't listened to it, I really think that you go, should go and listen uh, or watch slash listen because it's a video. It's very interesting. And that was from June of last year. So they've, they've since done more impressive demos, but this is a, the preliminary demo that they did. Uh, so yeah, head to unwindmedia.com slash feature chat to, to see that in past episodes. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Ciao. Toodaloo. Okay. So you guys, or Mike, at least you want to briefly talk about the black market thing? Is that? Yeah. Do, do we want to talk? Like we talked about it quite a bit in the, in the Slack. I don't know if we want to talk about it here. We can mention, it. I think it's really interesting. I would love to try yeah. it. I did not talk about it at all. So feel free yeah so for for listeners slash viewers that haven't seen this um i don't even know if this is covered in the states i guess it wouldn't have been because it's this article anyway yeah, seems to be more canadian centric yeah so yeah. it's uh it's, it reminds me of when the android tv news came out and it's like well, this isn't really news it's just kind of coming into light so this sound, seems like it's kind of the same thing where yeah there's kijiji ads for cell phone plans that are being offered at saskatchewan and manitoba rates regardless mm-hmm. of where you live um and i guess the gist of it is that you set up a phone plan with was it yeah kudo or fido yeah and you register under your own number and province whatever and then you send these representatives on kijiji your details and they work their magic and all of a sudden you have a cheaper phone plan yeah and we are speculating on how it works because the concept of it's pretty straightforward is you can get the rates that that are being offered now in the provinces. We've covered that extensively at how silly it is that this exists. But <laughs> yes, um, I, I think we were more or less in agreement that it was most likely an inside contact at these companies that they just changed the rates on these plans. Yeah. Just, I'm assuming like some sort of drop down saying, give them this rate and, right. and that's how it works. But, uh, I, cause I, I honestly don't know how other, how other method would, would work. Yeah, it has to be someone on the inside. I just there's no there's no alternative to it that. Yeah. To me. And and I would have thought that these carriers would be able to just detect when the plan doesn't match the registered province or number, like Yeah. And and if they didn't before, they definitely will now, I'm assuming because this is actually in the news. And it it was weird that you know, they actually quoted one Kijiji guy, like an actual rep in the article and basically advertise for him but i don't know why you'd want to do that as someone who's providing this service where it's like you're being exposed like that and basically killing your business it yeah in theory i think it could be similar to what we do where we talk about unlimited plans all the time where they're they're kind of getting brazen and that they've gotten (laughs) away with it for so long and so he's really like the upside is that i'll get to sell a bunch more plans and the downside is maybe they'll catch me, but it doesn't seem like they care because this this isn't really new. In the, it's just that it came around again into CBC posting a story about it. And I think every year that the disparity between plans in Saskatchewan and and soon to be formerly Manitoba uh, are so cheap mean that they like it comes back around as those plans get so much cheaper in comparison to what you get in the rest of the, the country. Yeah. When I think we kind of concluded that we're not going to see those types of prices anywhere else because they can't afford that, but they'll yeah, continue to yeah. offer those there because there is that competition. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd ever do that 
like the way that they're saying because I'd probably get in trouble for it. Okay, Mike, here's the, the most, thing. Plus, I'm already getting a good deal. So, <laughs> yeah, can I posit you a what if? Yeah. I think this is what I would do, but okay. I think that if you lost your grandfather plan, the next day you'd be like, all right, what are my options here? And you would find this and you'd be like, oh, great. Perfect. I'll just do this. <laughs> I know that's what I would do. I'd be like, it's worth the risk. This is so like this. This will pay off in like three months if you if it works. And if it doesn't, it's like, oh, well, I lost a bit of money. I guess. What's the worst case scenario is that you end up paying exorbitant amounts of money as opposed to paying exorbitant amounts of money. I, th- I think as, as long as the responsibility and liability re- like falls on the person offering the service, the same way with the Android TV boxes, where it's the host of the content that gets yeah. P- yeah. penalized, not the person doing the streaming, which is kind of selfish, but... Yeah. Well, I guess. Well, I mean, the way the the way these things work now is you can go on live chat and be like, "Hey, I'm moving to Manitoba. What are my options for cell phone plans?" And they'll be like, "Oh, we can sign you up for this plan." And then you just do it. There's no verification of address that goes on. Like there might be some there might, and I say this with a huge grain of salt because I don't think they really would, but like there might be IP-based checking, but they from from what I understand, they don't actually care if you live there. It's just you need a home address that's there in the system. Yeah. And so this might not even be really a loophole. It's just like, okay, this is a thing that happens. Yeah. When they, they can do, like, it's the same thing with the data that we have. Like, our plans are designed for feature phones that are using random, like, browsing. Like, literally yeah. browsing. And when you have, you know, ten of, tens of gigabytes being used per month, like, you know that's not a feature phone being used for <laughs> the random, like, Google search, right? So yeah. it's... And and they could easily make those checks on their end, but they're not. Yeah. Or if they are, they're saying, "Well, well, whatever." Like, right. So, yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, this is that kind of thing. Yeah. Like uh, I have, um, I have the Fido iOS my account app. I'm obviously not using a flip phone, right? Or a Nexus. Like, I even even to the point that it's now clear to me that they don't care, or that there is there may be people very high up in the company that care, but customer service reps don't care at all how much you're charging as long as they fix your problem and get a good review whenever they pass along a survey like they don't care mm-hmm. and so they're going to do what's in their best interest while the higher-ups might not even know there's a problem because they don't right. ever really they don't get look exposed it. to it yeah problem in the sarcasticest of quotes <laughs> right yeah it's not actually a problem it's just like some people are taking advantage of a bad system yeah well at this point it's almost like a, a weighing of pros and cons or cost benefit, I guess, where if they take away someone's grandfather plan because of this, the bad publicity they'd get is probably far worse yeah. for their business than just allowing that person to continue right. doing that, right? Because it's a very marginal cost right. to them. Exactly. Where the benefit of having these longstanding customers who yeah. are, they've obviously, if their grandfather didn't an old plan, they're obviously loyal yeah. to the company, then why not? Nick, would you ever get one of these plans? I am going to go with a completely <laughs> different topic. And if you noticed that my um, my stream has been much better this week? Yes. Well, I haven't noticed. I've no- I haven't noticed it's been bad. Well, I, I just yeah. realized I haven't noticed a problem and I've been opening new tabs and it hasn't completely bogged down my, my signal. So uh, Chrome's had a few updates. Okay since i started using firefox for this because at the time for whatever reason chrome did not acknowledge software (laughs) mutes right so i could mute my mic and it was like nope i still hear everything and i was like (laughs) 
well, this is not useful for a podcast. Right. I need to cough and sneeze at times. It's also not 10 o'clock yet, but right. That's not the quality, just the meeting. Yeah. And so, um, I've been sitting here kind of reading about other stuff while you guys talked because we're an after show. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I just realized that, uh, I wasn't having problems. It's good. It's very exciting. I think. Would you get the, oh, uh, would I, <laughs> to your question of would curious. I get one of these deals? Um, I don't know. I, I really don't. I'm currently okay. holding on to my deal that I signed in like 2010 in Ottawa. No, okay. no. I signed up for this one in 2013 in London, I think. That makes more, while well, you were in class, like in school. Still. Yeah, I, my yeah. TELUS contract was up and that we talked about this on Future Chat. I was like, yeah. oh, my God, they're going to give me a deal to try and keep me. <laughs> and then they did not. They were like, hey, so <laughs> give you five bucks off a month on a plan that's worse than yours. And then they <laughs> like because listeners couldn't see that. I winked and like nodded at the camera. Right. And I was like, <laughs> or I could go with Kudo, which is under your umbrella yeah and get a better deal for the same price and they're like well i mean yeah you could do that i was like <laughs> yeah i could and i think <laughs> i shall i legitimately think that the big three are for older people or people paying their kids cell phone plans and so they they know they can get away with higher prices and that the discount brands are for kids slash millennials now like kids that have now grown up and they realize what a ripoff the more expensive plans are and they're looking for a cheaper alternative and they're finding the discount plans i think and i mean it yeah. it does work out if you have like four or five cell phones on the same plan so everyone has a cell phone and you have cable and you have internet yeah, and yeah, you yeah. have home phone because i don't even know why but somehow it's subsidizing everything else yeah yeah but so if you have all that, the bundle for everything collectively puts you ahead if you want every single one of those things. Yes. Mm-hmm. But the pragmatist with less money than a baby boomer, mm-hmm. because we went to university and then didn't just walk into a lifetime union job. Right. Um, I know we, sorry, we didn't get the lifetime union job after high school. That was the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we we look for better options and by gum and we're finding there. them. Yeah. <laughs> Those young hippies, their music, long <laughs> hair. Especially you two. Definitely not <laughs> you at all. Get a haircut, Mike. <laughs> I don't have much hair to spare. A little bit. A little bit thin up there. I would I'm just I would love to see some sort of cooperative model applied to telecoms. That'd be I fun. don't know how on earth you would do it. Like, like, like collusion no like the costco model of telecoms i'm feeling like you just put up i mean everyone makes you pay a hundred bucks when you join so it doesn't really (laughs) but you just put up some like this is more than normal but it will pay off in the long run kind of like tech savvy i guess because tech savvy does that right but instead of being a bulk repurchase or a bulk purchaser and redistributor being you know something bigger than that right Uh, i think what i'm actually describing 
is a collective of like everyone getting together through some organization and putting up the infrastructure themselves. And as I realize that I am inventing MTS and SaskTel again, yeah. <laughs> I'm inventing kind of. a government telecom. <laughs> that is what I want because yeah. the profit driven ones are awful. Yeah. Because they're all about profits. And I feel like all kinds of stink is going to be raised if we just choose to nationalize telecommunications. 